Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Wednesday, January 26th. We begin with a focus on mental health as today has been deemed Let's Talk Day. We speak with a Calgary-based relationship therapist, Tanya Craig, for some tips on how to not only talk about our mental health, but also how to listen effectively to those who need to be heard during a tough time. How much do you know about cryptocurrency? And in particular, how much do you know about the dangers of being scammed when dealing in the digital dollars? We discuss with the executive director of the Alberta Blockchain Consortium. A brand new department at the University of Calgary will offer unique opportunities for students interested in biomedical engineering. We hear details on the significance of this new department from Dr. Michael Kalos of the Schulich School of Engineering. And finally, they are big, they are hairy, and they're the subject of a new study from McMaster University. We catch up with anthropologist Tyler Murchie for details on a woolly mammoth study that changes the timeline of the creature's existence on Earth by thousands of years. Let's Talk Day. It is associated with mental health and the importance of reaching out to talk to somebody when you're in need. But beyond that, we need to learn to be better about talking and listening on a regular basis, not just one day a year. Joining us this morning to discuss is Calgary-based relationship therapist, Tanya Craig. Hi, Tanya. Hi, Sue. Andrew, how are you two doing? Excellent. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, You know, our relationships obviously play a big role in our mental health. So what do we need to be thinking about on a daily basis when we're dealing with our loved ones? Yeah, absolutely. I love that you introed it by listening. One key skill that I would love Calgarians and anyone tuning in to learn is, is called validation. And how do we validate our loved ones? Um, so many people think that validating means that you're like buying into their idea, you're condoning their behavior, or you have to completely agree with them. And that's not it at all. In fact, Mm -hmm. validation, when you actually sit with someone, you let them express what they're going through, i.e. you just hear their experience, that alone will help settle their emotional brain and it'll help them know what we all need to know, that they're being seen and heard, that they're actually okay in the middle of whatever experience they're going through. I know, I know, Tanya, that for me, well, first of all, I don't think it's just a male thing. It's not, I don't have to be sexist about it. But I think men, yeah, when you hear something, what can I do to fix things? Well, A, putting that on ice. But the other thing I do is I try to re- give a relatable experience how I can understand. So I know what you're saying. I fell off the ladder once, too, you know, kind of a thing. People don't want to hear that all the time, do they? I love that you brought that up. No, it's it's not about the listener, right? As the listener, we need to just simply suspend our agenda and let them speak. And it's also really hard to hear your loved one be in pain. And where we kind of get in our own way is, like you just said, fixing, problem solving, because you as the listener then feel better. And yeah, Andrew, you aren't alone. All uh, genders, we fall into this trap because it's really hard to watch our people struggle. So as the listener then, let's start with that side of things because I think we're all, we've learned over the past couple of years to be better at, hopefully, anyway, sharing how we're feeling in our experiences. But as the listener, how, what, what does that look like then? Mm-hmm. So the first thing is when somebody comes to you, and if we have time, I do have a way for uh, the speakers to be able to start that share that feels uncomfortable. So as somebody comes to you and they're like, hey, you know, I really have something hard to tell you, or they just launch into it. They start telling you they're upset. 
all you need to do is just suspend your agenda. So the first thing is recognize that this is what they're going through and they're simply including you in your experience. So step one is suspend your agenda. Step two, as they're sharing, keep eye contact with them, keep nodding your head and let them know every now and again, I hear you. It really helps penetrate that limbic part of the brain, which is just an automatic, um, sorry, it's an automotion. It's just going until you can find an emotional settling. And then step three, as you're listening to them and as they're saying what they're saying, and it makes sense to you based on what you know about them, right? You're not agreeing. It's not that you would handle it that way, but they're telling you that, you know, I'm really pissed off. I got cut off on traffic. And then they talk about the snowball effect that happened all throughout the day. Maybe you personally would be able to like, what's the big deal? But you understand for them, they're feeling high stress, but this would set them off. And so it's so important to let them know, hey, I get it. I understand you. In that moment, when somebody is letting them know that it's okay that you're you know, reacting, that you're feeling the way that you're feeling, it really does help them start to settle that emotional part of the brain. So then eventually the rest of their brain can get on board with their prefrontal cortex and the reasoning part of their brain. And they can start to make their own decisions. They can problem solve and they can just move on through their day. Like all of a sudden, two to three minutes later, they're going to be like, oh, thanks, I feel better. And off they go. <laughs> I do like what you're saying there, Tanya, in the sense that, you know, you might not have to 100% agree, but you're looking at it from their perspective and understanding where they come from because it's not a one-size-fits-all, right? Absolutely. Every person has their own ability to find their own answers. We are social beings and we are biologically wired to be seen and heard and in fact this is one of the most critical skills we need as parents and as spouses so i love that it's um spouse day as well yeah yeah because one of the greatest things you can do at the end of the day instead of just asking your person how are you doing especially your teenagers and your children how was school today don't just ask that put aside your agenda give yourself five minutes to actually hear and then let them know i hear you Oh, I get that. I understand that you would feel like that. Totally makes sense to me. You will see a total change in your person. Hearing, not fixing. I love it. Case okay, so we want to make sure because you you mentioned you've got tips for the person who needs to talk or to to be heard. Then help us with that. Yes. So you're in the middle of of a struggle. You don't really know how to bring it up because most people try to figure it out for themselves before they share with somebody else. So the most important thing to do when you want to share with someone is let them know what you're up to. Let them know, I've got something big to share with you. I don't want you to fix me. I really just want you to be with me. Is now a good time? So that's the critical number one step. And then the next part is to just let them know, I'm still figuring this out. So please just, you know, maybe the word be a sounding board. Just be with me. Whatever you need to do to let them know their job is not to fix. They are not solutioning with you you just want company in the middle of your struggle tanya just before we let you go because we've got about a minute left here i want to talk about you know with the with the pandemic and with people still going through obviously a lot and probably even more so people going through things what's it like for those folks who've never been to an online session compared to being in person you know if people have trepidation to 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 meet with somebody like yourself online 
Yeah, so there's actually this really interesting um, level of protection because you're still at home. So just set yourself up really comfy. Make sure that you're in a private room. That's the most important thing. Give yourself security and privacy at home. Your therapist is going to do all the rest of it. It's amazing the connection, and especially because we've all been used to now being online and connecting through work and with uh, distant loved ones. It comes very naturally, very easily. So just trust trust your therapist and then set yourself up for success with privacy at home. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Just got a text in saying your caller is shedding a lot of light indirectly on how important it is to be seen and heard, even if your views don't fit the common narrative. And I think what they're getting at is that, you know, not just it's not just talking, it's listening and, and doing both properly and appropriately. Thank you so much for your time, Tanya. We've learned a lot. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. Tanya Craig, Calgary Relationship Therapist. You can find more at tanyacraig.com. Cryptocurrency can be a highly volatile investment, and many people have fallen victim to crypto scams. If you're thinking about getting into the crypto game, you may want to do your research. This morning, we are joined by a crypto and blockchain expert, Kalea Carrington, Executive Director of the Alberta Blockchain Consortium. Good morning to you, Kalea. Good morning. Thank you for having me on your show. Thank you for being here. We're, we're going to get into, uh, you know, with being safe when you're doing a purchase like this, particularly if you're new to the uh, digital world when it comes to currency. But let's let's talk about cryptocurrency right now. As far as for those people who are in it, we know that it took a real nosedive this week. What is causing this latest volatility? And what do you see uh, the coming months and in, in, into 2022, Kalea? Uh, Well, in terms of the latest volatility, I mean, there's so many different factors that can impact the market right now. Uh, Some are attributing it to the potential um, uh, interest increase that's going to be coming up. Others can be attributing it to Russia potentially doing crackdowns, China doing crackdowns. So kind of global governments looking at this unfavorably. Uh, But a lot of the times, cryptocurrency has a rather volatile market cycle. It's been happening ever since uh, 2009 with the, uh, you know, presentation of Bitcoin onto the market. Uh, It had the same kind of market volatility back in 2017 that we saw. It's having the same market volatility now. The one thing with the market is even if it goes down, uh, it can enter into a bear market for one or two years and then go into a full-on bull market again. So people are in the space are rather used to the volatility if they've seen a few market cycles of, of the level of dramatic highs and lows. Kalei, I think we're, we're all started, starting, uh, maybe some more than others are ahead of that curve, but trying to, you know, figuring out what exactly cryptocurrency is. It's far more uh, a part of our day-to-day that we hear about it. And maybe that's why this is happening. Scammers really are, uh, you know, the, the fraud in crypto is, is exploding. $14 billion scammed from people in 2020. How do we avoid falling victim to crypto scams when we're investing? I would really, really encourage people, uh, when it comes to cryptocurrency, a lot of them are illegal securities, right? So it's people trying to do illegal crowdfunding, uh, people trying to put like NFTs out on the market, so non-fungible tokens, many, many of them are scams. Uh, We saw the same thing happen in 2017 with the initial coin offerings. People lost billions and billions of dollars. The idea that in the cryptocurrency space you can get rich quick is... Um, quite a falsehood. A lot of people will give you the illusion that if you buy into this market, you know, you could become a day trader or something to that extent, or or you buy some random token, it's going to somehow dramatically increase in value. So if you are looking to invest, the safest like option is doing your research into something like Bitcoin. It has a lot more 
like history uh, for market trends. It has a lot more understanding in terms of technology. Other cryptocurrencies outside of that, uh, they're generally controlled by individuals who are pretty much looking for, you know, options for legal crowdsourcing. So if you're going to invest in the public company, you would do your research. You would look at the executive team. You would look at what they're offering if you're going to invest in this market. Same level of research. If you don't understand the space, I would, you know, encourage you to like not invest in, in it until like you have feel like you have a more comfortable understanding. Uh, Kalia, they've they've talked about the Bank of Canada. They've uh, you know want to get in the game in some fashion. Express developing its own cryptocurrency. Do you have any idea how that would work, and uh, you know how that might affect the current uh, market for cryptocurrency? If you got a like a Bank of Canada, for example, want a player like that in the game. So when they talk about having a digital currency, um, a lot of people don't realize their money has been going towards a digital trend since about 1950 with the checkbook, then came out your MasterCard, then came out your debit card. Now your money is pretty much digital. They do not print the equivalency of the money that they have in supply. When the government wants to shift over to a fully digital currency, it would be slowly removing paper currency out of the market. The danger in that is we're already seeing rampant rates of inflation, and this would allow for the government to print even more money very, very quickly. And the more that you print money, you have a supply and demand ratio. And right now we're seeing a very high demand in goods, but we have way too much money entering this ecosystem. So we don't have an equivalency, which means that we're going to start paying more for goods. I would strongly discourage the Bank of Canada from getting into a digital currency that would create even more rampant rates of inflation. (laughs) Kalea, you know, we call you, you know, one of Canada's leading experts in crypto and blockchain technology. So how how did you get to that point? Is I'm kind of wondering, is there a place for us if we want to try and understand crypto a little bit better? Where do we go? Where did you learn from? Uh, You know, I actually started because I had family members who ended up getting pulled into a a Ponzi scheme and they were very excited about it. They called me. They're like, oh my God, I bought Bitcoin and I invested in this. And I was like, what are you talking about? I just started doing research. Um, For me, I'm very technology based. So when I started doing research, I kind of went a little bit overboard. I started trying to read all the white papers get as much understanding as I could and then realize there wasn't a safe place for people to go to actually understand what is cryptocurrency, you know, how to keep yourself safe from scams, you know, like how how to navigate this market. So that's what got me into, you know, starting the Alberta Blockchain Consortium that's now the Canadian Blockchain Consortium. I started like everybody else, just YouTube, Google, trying to figure it out, connecting with people in the community and like six years later, uh, it's a new industry, so to be labeled an expert, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I don't think there's anyone that could really claim themselves as a proper <laughs> expert just because it's so new. Uh, but I definitely have experience and understanding in the space. So if people want to learn more about it, going to like candablockchain.ca. I teach free classes every single month on this subject matter. I can send you to safe, incredible resources to learn more about it. But most importantly, it's like if you're interested in learning, you know, there we're a great resource for it. Uh, we just got about a minute left here or less. I'm just wondering, Kalea, if you can break down uh, for some clarity here. Uh, you know, if you're on social media, and I'm on social media, a few platforms, so is Sue, you get approached and you get these you know, offers. Hey, we want to tell you about this. Is it a case that when it comes to scams, for example, or being potentially scammed, it's better to be the person to reach out and not go with somebody who reached out to you when it comes to, to safety? I would 1,000% recommend to people if you are getting an inbox in your Facebook, your Twitter, your LinkedIn, uh, your Instagram, do not respond. That is 
the biggest way traders get you. They start trying to make friends with you. You don't know that individual. They start convincing you to send them money because they're going to day trade your cryptocurrency and, and make you three times your money in a month. It is 150,000% a scam. Do not do it. Reach out yourself. Go to credible sources. Um, you know, come to us and we'll help you find good good people who could educate you as well. But yeah, definitely don't do not respond to those people on your social media platforms. Best website then to, to find you and the Alberta Blockchain Consortium and more info? Uh, CanadaBlockchain.ca okay. is the website and we're happy to reach out and help anyone learn about the space. Perfect. CanadaBlockchain.ca. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Appreciate it. Right, thank you for having me on your show. Thanks. Kalea Carrington, Executive Director of the Alberta Blockchain Consortium. It's being touted as the next step in the evolution of engineering education at the University of Calgary. There's now a new Department of Biomedical Engineering and taking the reins is Interim Department Head Dr. Michael Kalos. Good morning, doctor. Thanks so much for joining us. Good morning. Thanks very much for having me. Well, appreciate your time. We produce a lot of engineers in this province, but this is an interesting shift to a different type of engineer. Tell us a bit about the Biomedical Engineering Graduate Program. Yeah, so this new department is really the culmination of many years of work, and we're going to really be training the the next generation of engineers to be able to tackle problems in uh, human and animal health and life sciences. And so we've got a graduate program as well as an undergraduate new training program. All right, for the lay people out there, let's break down, you know, when we use the term biomedical engineering, what does that entail? Could you give us something, you know, we can easily understand? Yeah, so really what it is, is is using the engineering tools that you use for, say, chemical engineering problems in oil and gas or um, other types of problems in the world, and you're applying them to um, problems in health. So examples include things from designing imaging devices, uh, looking at wearables, um, sensors for measuring things, um, even 3D printing swabs for COVID testing, um, just some of the examples. There's a wide range of applications. So obviously something that, you know, we need to be caught up with and, and get into because this is the wave of the future. It is the, the current probably right now. Are there other universities that are doing biomedical engineering? Or are we are we kind of a little bit behind in terms of what the U, U of C is doing? Or is, will this be, you know, moving forward more so than other universities? So we've actually had a graduate program which spans multiple different faculties for 25 years now. So we've been doing research in this area and training graduate students And really the new thing now is um, an undergraduate program, which we just started last fall, as well as this department to house it all together. So we actually looked around at all the other programs um, in Canada and the U.S. and talked to industry, and I think we've really designed um, a new undergrad program that will meet the future needs of of industry here. Michael, who's a good candidate for a program like this? Who do you see signing up and, and taking part and having interest in? Um, this is really open to anyone. And so if you have an interest as an undergraduate coming from high school, say, um, in, in health, in helping people, uh, if, you, if you like your biology um, as well as your math and science, then I think you're going to be a great candidate. We have really a wide range of students that go into lots of different careers after their degree here. So undergraduate program, and then would you go to the graduate program from there? Yeah, you could. We have a, we've had a minor in the undergrad program for many years now, and those students have gone on to careers in the biotech industry, um, working for medical device companies, working in, in imaging companies. 
And so you can have a great career with the undergrad degree as well, but then if you want to get that little bit more specialized training, um, you can go into the graduate degree. Very interesting. I, I, I just think that, yeah, this just shows the depth that we have in our city, and uh, it's a real feather in the cap for, for what you folks do for the University of Calgary and the uh, uh, Schulich School of Engineering. So thank you so much for your time, Michael. Yeah, thanks very much. It's uh, Dr. Michael Callis, uh, Interim Department Head, Department of Biomedical Engineering at the University of Calgary, Schulich School of Engineering, and more online at ucalgary.ca. It, it, uh, again, more than just oil and gas, and we, we, we've got yeah. some world-class facilities here in the province, more than just the UFC. There's, there's so many in the, in the province, but here it is. Changing and, and keeping up with the times, right? You I mean, you, you have to. You have sure. to, and, you know, it's interesting because... I, I, I always think back, and I think we always go with our own experience, uh, back in high school, in grade 12, having no idea. And I remember the immense amount of stress it caused me. Just I, I had no idea what my career path would, would, would mm-hmm. be. And, uh, you know, my daughter, who's in grade 11 right now, she's already starting to talk about some universities and just you're wondering which one would be the best fit. Well, I always say don't put the university ahead of what you want to do you got you got to find dig the down. program yeah find, find what interests you and you know i think it's different than it was many moons ago we change careers so often now but if you can find a, a, a world that you love you can stay in that forever and just evolve with it yeah. and, and enjoy going to work every day so many people hate getting up and going to work because they just don't enjoy their job so i think that's you know for my kids anyway yeah, i'm sure for yours too you, you want them to find that program that maybe sticks with them for a very long time. And yeah. you can go to school, get well-educated, and then have a great life and, and enjoy actually going to work each day. And I'm very interested. I'm not sure what your kids do besides, like, you know, the YouTube and the TikToks and, you know... Nothing. FaceTiming friends. No, but with, <laughs> with, with online, when they have a question about something, I say, and I'm not trying to, to be uh, over the top with them or, or super cynical or sarcastic, they have a question, I say, you are online so many hours a day. Can Mm -hmm. you not check on something like this? And so, for example, I would like to see them, uh, and I don't think they, at this point, they have the disconnect between learning in school and using the same skills that they've learned in school to learn about something else. Like, for example, a career. Mm. Like, hey, maybe you want to be in, uh, you know, an engineer of sorts. Well, see what this is about. See what cities have these sorts of jobs and, you know. Investigate. A team of of anthropologists from McMaster University have discovered evidence that uh, the woolly mammoth was roaming the Yukon 3,000 years later than previously thought. Or is it earlier? I'm not even sure when we're going back in time like that. With details on this mammoth discovery, we are joined by Tyler Murchie, postdoctorate fellow anthropology at McMaster University. Good morning to you, Tyler. Hi. Let's uh, talk about this because it's an interesting setup. I want want to ask how how this conclusion was made in that you're from McMaster University and you're coming out with this information now, but it goes back even further than that, back to 2010 with a discovery by the University of Alberta. So tell us about how this all came together. Yeah, so these are some cores that were collected uh, in 2010 uh, through 2013, I believe, and uh, they had sort of remained in cold storage and freezers until I was trying to find a new project for my dissertation in around 2016 or so. Uh, and so we were trying to extract environmental DNA from these cores. And this DNA is that um, it shed plants into the local ecosystem and then it can become... Pre- oh, I think we lost. We kind of understand. Sorry, we lost you for a second. Oh, uh, can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah, gotcha yeah. Now. You can keep going, sorry. Yeah, and so we were trying to um, recover this, this environmental DNA from plants and animals to kind of see how 
the shifting cast of, of these organisms change through time in response to uh, to a change of climate and to humans coming into the area and things like that. And and also to help revise our understandings of when did all these animals go extinct in the past. Tyler, it seems of late we've been having more sort of uh, of these discoveries. Is there new and better technology and techniques that are allowing us to find, for example, samples like these, or is there something more at play? Yeah, so with traditional paleontology, we're kind of reliant on you know, the bones of, of a particular animal. And so, you know, an organism only has one set of bones, you know, when it dies. And so the chance of actually finding those is, is really unlikely for them to preserve long-term and be found and studied by a scientist. Um, whereas there's growing technologies in these environmental DNA uh, molecules where we can just collect ordinary sediments and then extract the microfossils, these genetic fossils that are buried in the sediments, and we can use those to help understand changes through time because organisms are constantly releasing those. A human is releasing uh, trillions of DNA fragments every hour. And so if you combine this where all the organisms in in an environment long term, we really get a lot more data points where we can help refine our understandings of how environments change in the past. Why? Okay, I don't want to get into the whole Jurassic Park thing. I know people are talking about, oh, we should bring back the mammoth. But why is it that we are so, you know, enthralled by the woolly mammoth? Just because the recent, you know, that it's the most recent creature of this type uh, closest in time to us? Uh, I suppose, and you know, the, the kind of iconic, uh, mysterious aspect of it. And um, it, it, it's interesting. I initially wrote uh, a piece in the conversation more so targeting, you know, how cool environmental DNA is and how much information is just kind of buried in ordinary sediments waiting for us to find. But it seems the thing that people are most interested in is really this this kind of late survival of woolly mammoths. And uh, we also found evidence that American horses had survived much later. Uh, and in this case, um, we have evidence that they survived perhaps some 7,000 years after uh, it's thought that they went extinct based on, on uh, fossil remains like bones and teeth. Um, but I think it's really this kind of, yeah, I, I don't know, this this majestic, majestic sort of uh, image that people have in their head of the woolly mammoth that drives so much interest in them. Yeah, it, it's fascinating for sure. I understand your fascinating fascination with it. So thank you so much for sharing some of the info. Appreciate your time this morning. For sure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Tyler Murchie is a postdoctoral fellow, anthropology at McMaster University. I think we can credit the Flintstones for our fascination. <laughs> I just think the people, because we've seen these frozen, you know, uh, uh, creatures to mm-hmm. a certain extent, I'm not sure of what deterioration there. And in Russia, for example, they go, oh, because it's more tangible, perhaps. Mm-hmm, but, maybe. You know, we certainly know that Tyler is on it there. So who knows what's going to, what, what the future will bring for sure. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.